This is exactly right. On the 12th season of Tenfold More Wicked, we investigate a series of compelling mysteries from the city of Fall River, Massachusetts, where problems started generations before Lizzie Borden's murders made her a household name. Join me as we cover the misfortunes that have befallen this infamous town for more than 150 years, including the Great Fire of 1843. Season 12 premieres Monday, May 13th on Exactly Right. Follow Tenfold More Wicked on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to my favorite murder, the mini sode. Mm. Come on, <laughs> you love this one. You love it. Okay, you want to um, go first this time? Sure. Yeah. The subject line of this email is simply the bright side of humanity. Oh, K and G crew and critters. Oh, <laughs> I sent this before. You asked for st- <laughs> that's such a fucking <laughs> hilarious way to start an email. Mm. Hey, look, I sent this before. Yeah. You asked for stories about people doing good deeds. Here's a story about a roadside rescue. Back in the early 80s, before cell phones, I was cruising around the Beltway, heading to a friend's house to drop off my dog Spanky before going on vacation. It was after work, still daylight, and strangely, there was very little traffic. I'm in the second lane from the right, and I notice an 18-wheeler barreling up in the far left lane. I glance forward to see a 4x4 piece of lumber in the left lane. How do I know it was a 4x4? Because I got a much closer look at it. Sure enough, the truck runs over the wood, turning it into a missile heading straight for my windshield. No! Spanky was next to me. She refused to ride in the back. And I pushed her to the floor, leaned myself onto the passenger seat, and blindly turned the car to the right, trying to avoid the projectile. This all happened at once. Me pushing the dog, leaning out of the way, and steering the car to the right. As the wood takes off my side-view mirror, busts through the driver's window, and becomes impaled inside between the headrest and the car frame. What the fuck? Thankfully, there was no one in the right lanes. In fact, there was no one at all on the road. The 18-wheeler blithely continues down the highway, and we're covered in bits of safety glass, partially pulled over on an eerily empty four-lane highway. What the fuck just happened? Dude. The dog and I are okay, just a little stunned, and we had to exit by the passenger door since there was an eight-foot four-by-four sticking out of the driver's window. While we were sitting on the side of the road, and I'm trying to process what to do next, this tricked-out custom-painted van with very large horses on it pulls over, and two guys get out. Oh, great, great. I'm hoping they're going to be cool because I was pretty defenseless. No phone, no potential weapon, and no witnesses. They walk around my car, freaking out over the wood, protruding awkwardly, and then approach me, asking if I'm okay. In a shaky voice, I answer yes, and I can feel the delayed response of tears and jitters coming on. Mm. One of the guys runs across all eight lanes of freeway Mm. to get to a gas station and use the payphone. And then in parentheses, it says, like I said, it was the 80s. Mm -hmm. The other one stands there looking at me and then says, 
I bet you could use a drink. (laughs) And my 22-year-old self says, a big one. And he says, well, this is your lucky day. I work for, and then in parentheses, the beer company with the very large horses. He opens the back of the van to reveal a tapped keg nestled in a custom stand and a stack of to-go cups on a little bar. (laughs) Yes. While waiting for the cops, I enjoyed a cold beverage with my savior, which we discreetly disposed of when the officer arrived. The cop took a report. The van dudes removed the lumber from my car. I dropped off Spanky and the car was repaired while I was on vacay. All's well that ends well. Stay sexy and pay attention when you're driving. Loretta. What the fuck? I mean... That is one of the greatest stories ever told. Yeah, that's a great survivor story. Unbelievable. That happened to us once when we were on the freeway. We watched just like a standard ladder fall off the back of a truck and come bouncing down the freeway at us. So it bounced (sighs) over the car in front of us. And then it hit the ground in front of the car. And my ex was driving and he kind of put his hand out and went, hold on. And we drove over it. Oh, my God. And nothing happened. Nothing happened. We just drove over it and it was fine. But <sighs> it was, if it was any denser material, yeah. like I, I think we smashed it from driving over it. Right. Or you, maybe you've had a smaller car or something like that. Yeah. That it was fucking horrifying. The idea that it was just like, she just basically collided with Jesus. a lumber missile. Good thing she saw it first. That is, I'm never leaving the house again. I mean, Loretta, thank you for that amazing 80s yeah. story. That That's was epic. A great epic story. This is called 12-Year-Olds with Jobs and My Almost First Murder. Mm. Hello, you recently called for stories about 12-year-olds with jobs, and I thought, yay, I finally have a story to write in. (laughs) Back in the very early 90s, you could start volunteering as a candy striper at the local hospital when you turned 12. A few of my friends did it and were tasked with safe jobs, such as delivering flowers or helping in the gift shop. I must have looked like a very responsible 12-year-old because I was assigned to the transportation department, which meant I had to transport patients out of the hospital when they were discharged home. I had a great time wheeling new moms with babies to their waiting cars and elderly people happy to be going home. One day, the paid adult transporter called out sick, so they used me to transport patients around the hospital, which meant the patients were actually still in need of medical care. Mm. One assignment had me transporting a man who had both an IV pole and an oxygen tank. I used my not yet fully developed 12-year-old brain to come up with a plan (laughs) that involved him holding the IV pole while I maneuvered the wheelchair and oxygen tank slowly to his destination and surgery. I'm so sorry. I (laughs) forgot that this was about a 12-year-old. Like, it took me, it only took me 30 seconds to forget where I'm like, wait a second, a 12-year-old works at the hospital. An untrained 12-year-old is moving patients from different departments. Ow. It gets worse. Wait. Okay. Once we got to the nurse's station, the nurses told me to put him in a room and wanting to be efficient, I quickly grabbed his wheelchair to put him in the correct room. Only problem was that I forgot about the oxygen. The nasal cannula stayed in his nose, but the end disconnected from the oxygen tank. (laughs) I, of course, did the right thing, which at 12 years old was yelling, good luck with surgery and booking it (laughs) off to the unit to end my shift. (laughs) I spent the rest of the week convinced that I had killed the guy and fully expecting to be arrested when I arrived for my next shift. To my astonishment, no one said anything when I arrived, so I asked how he was doing. 
It clearly being the days before HIPAA, my boss immediately looked at his chart and told me his surgery had gone well and he had been discharged (laughs) home. (laughs) In an interesting turn of events, I have spent most of my career in healthcare and work on compliance measures that have been put in place to protect patients from 12-year-olds almost killing them. Good. Thank God. (laughs) I'm still trying to make amends for that poor guy who I almost killed at the tender age of 12. (sighs) Stay sexy and don't let 12-year-olds doogie hauser it up at the hospital. (laughs) Heather, she, her. That's so, like, what a fateful story where it's like, sure, I could have potentially killed this man. But instead, what I did was I took the lesson there and I went and tried to change policy in the future. That's trauma. That's like long-held trauma. Yeah. Good job. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, and June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant, like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could, as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant-quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. The subject line of this email is, is it too late for a Chippendale story? Mm-hmm. And this just starts salutations. And then it says, ugh. Y'all are excellent. Thank you for championing mental health, compassion, and general badassery. Okay, here goes. The year is 2000. 
The place is the San Fernando Valley. My best friend Anna and I are walking to Target on some vital 14-year-old girl business. (laughs) A red convertible pulls up next to us, and a man in a dated neon tank top and shorts shorts ensemble calls out to us. We give him our attention because we have not yet learned to fuck politeness. He tells us that he is a Chippendales dancer. If you ladies know anyone having a bachelorette party, give me a call. (laughs) 14. 14. He hands us an old receipt on the back of which is written David Steele, S-T-E-E-L-E, and a phone number. And then a parenthesis that says, is this common practice among the Chippendales set? Is it a bizarro catfishing attempt? Who knows? We did not call this man. (laughs) (laughs) Close parentheses. Of course, when we regale our folks with this story, they're tickled. Nobody seemed the least bit concerned that we approach the car of a strange man and David Steele's number remains in my wallet for years. Oh, my God. Stay sexy and at least get some business cards, dude. Jamaica. (laughs) She, her. (laughs) Yeah. Your parents should have yelled at you. Sorry, David Steele was not a Chippendales dancer. I, I, th- that wasn't real. David Steele is a fucking weirdo writing his think? name and phone number on a receipt yeah. and wearing yeah. neon twin set around the valley. Come on. <laughs> it sounds like the valley. Pretty yeah. fucking spot that's on. That's kind of what actually. the valley's like. As a, as a resident right. and proud citizen, that's what we're like over here. Okay, this one's called True Crime on the Boss's Dime. Greetings. In episode 384, Georgia asked how many people listen to my favorite murder while at work. I'm raising my hand. (laughs) I've been an MFM listener since the early days, thanks to my oldest friend, Sarah, who insisted I subscribe almost seven years ago. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. Good job. Good job. Rate, review, subscribe. Uh, (laughs) I've enjoyed most episodes while at work, crouched over my drawing table at a large greeting card company in the Midwest. Ooh. So while my hand is illustrating cute Easter bunnies and sweet baby shower rainbows and delicate Mother's Day bouquets, my ears are full of murder and mayhem. Oh, wow. Your compelling stories have helped me stay focused in the studio for long stretches of time. Months later, when I see these cards for sale in stores, I can often remember exactly which episode I was listening to (laughs) when I created the art. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's so cool. That's Smiling Snowman holding mistletoe. National Forest Serial Killer. Oh, my God. That adorable corgi puppy with a heart on its butt. Poisoned Halloween candy. Sometimes I wonder if any of the darkness from the podcast seeps into the lighthearted images I'm illustrating. Next time you pick up a card for Grandma, do you notice a sense of foreboding in those frolicking butterflies? (laughs) Hopefully I've hidden it well. Thank you, Karen and Georgia, for helping me be productive at work for the better part of a decade from C. C, the secret greeting card illustrator. Well, here's the thing. (laughs) And this is something C knows as well as all of us that love true crime. Life is a combination of light and dark. Mm -hmm. We can't have one without the other, for sure. We've all had terrible Christmases or, you know, winter holidays or Easter's or whatever non-Catholic holidays Everybody else celebrates. I don't know. Thank you. Thank you for including us. Thank you for mentioning. (laughs) 
Hey, Karen, you know that feeling when you're stressed out and your heart starts to pound and your mind is racing? I do. I know it well. Well, while there's no cure for stress, therapy can help shape your response to it. And since May is Mental Health Awareness Month, there's no better time to try Talkspace. When you sign up for Talkspace, you'll receive a personalized match with a therapist or psychologist, typically within 48 hours. Forbes rates Talkspace as the number one online therapy platform, plus their licensed professionals are in network with almost all major insurance companies. Once you meet your therapy goals, or if you want to cancel for any reason, Talkspace will provide you with a prorated refund for unused time. I feel like these days people understand the importance of therapy, but the difficult part is just taking that first step. It took me months to make my first therapy appointment. I was so scared. I had a lot of ideas in my head about it. And that's why I think Talkspace is such a good idea because making it so approachable will just get you there sooner. Then you can actually get in there, figure out what you need, talk to an actual professional and be on your way to solving some stuff that you might want to solve. To celebrate Mental Health Awareness Month and the power of talking it out in therapy, Talkspace is offering our listeners $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80. Go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and use promo code SPACE80. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and enter promo code SPACE80 and get $80 off your first month and show your support for our show. That's Talkspace.com slash MFM. Enter promo code SPACE80. Goodbye. Okay. Personally for me, this is a real love letter straight to Karen. So oh, I'm great. sorry because this is this is really... Sinkhole? This is sinkhole related? <laughs> close in terms of things I love. Okay. And so I won't read you the subject line. It okay. starts, a blanket hello to all involved and associated. Karen, your hair's looking fabulous. Georgia, that cat looks great on you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Just kind of the best compliment for you of all time. I love that. (laughs) I love that. Okay, it says, all right, enough already. Let's get into this. This scene, I was a manager at a coffee shop in an affluent area of Los Angeles. I woke up at 4.30 a.m. almost every day. Mm. So one day I walk into the coffee shop from the back door to open like any other day. And I noticed something is awry. Our bug zapper, which had been Velcroed to the wall, is on the floor. Immediately, almost too immediately, I come to the conclusion. Ghosts? I enter the front, (laughs) turn on the lights and see a big gaping hole where the window once was. Panic sets in. We had a break in. Is the culprit still there? Am I in danger? I look around the small space with phone in hand, ready to dial 911, and no one is around. Thank God. When I tell you there is glass everywhere, there is glass everywhere. Months after the incident, I was still finding broken glass, completely covering every surface and on the floor, but there were also shards of glass all the way to the sidewalk. So I call everyone, the police, my operations manager, my mom, my my boss tells us to stay and open like normal. Sure. (laughs) So slowly our regulars start rolling in. Now, being in a trendy, wealthier area of L.A., we get quite a number of celebrities. And then in parentheses, it just says brag. 
Now, I don't want to name any names, but we would often get a lovely visit from a particular Irishman with devilish good looks and eyebrows that could vote, run for mayor, pull their own weight, start a band, build a house, join a cult, call your dad, etc. Yep, Colin Farrell. Yay! It's a Colin Farrell email. Oh my God! Sinkholes and Colin Farrell. Like, what else is like, there oh for my, Karen? Like, like... Oh, my God. Also, like, KK is losing her I shit. I am kind of dying. Um, here's the funniest thing, though. After the name Colin Farrell, they put somehow in an email, they have the emoji of a penguin. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Oh, the penguin from Batman. Did he play the he penguin? He played the penguin in the most recent Batman. Oh, that's amazing. Okay, perfect. For a second, I, I was like, oh, these kids with their secret emoji <laughs> language. I was like, the lobster? Was there a penguin in the lobster? Is the penguin no. a girl eggplant? How do, what's <laughs> happening? Okay. He's the penguin. Okay. okay. Colin orders as usual through the app. And then in parentheses, it says, I still remember his coffee order to this day. Oh my God, we need it. Please. Please. And when he arrives, one of my employees is outside sweeping glass with a pitiful broom and the rest of my staff, including myself, are busy inside sweeping, cleaning and making coffee orders. Colin pokes his head through the gaping hole and says, what the fuck happened? <laughs> I explain that we had a break in and he says, and you have to stay open. And then in parentheses, it says, oh, he gets me. <laughs> he then turns to the, my employee and motions with his hand to give him the broom. <gasps> I'm standing there in a coffee shop with broken glass up to my elbows. Colin Farrell's flat white in hand. There's his coffee order. Flat white. Watching Colin Farrell sweep glass outside and I speak out loud. I'm not entirely convinced I'm not dreaming. <laughs> I hand him his coffee. Our hands graze each other through uh. the handoff and I carry on with my day. One of the best days of my life. <laughs> And then it says, and now for your unexpected pleasure, an MFM anecdote. So oh. they're transferring just from one of the greatest Colin Farrell stories I've ever heard. Yeah. Second only to my own where I saw him at the concession stand at the Arclight. Yes. Into this. For the shortest minute of my life, I worked in an animal hospital. One busy day, I see this confused man walk in with a dog. He asks if we can help him. This dog appeared in his, on his front lawn and didn't know who they belonged to. I scan the microchip and let him know I'd be right back. In the back, I make the call and the woman on the other line gives me the name and the phone number of the owner. She starts to say the name. Karen Kilgariff? <gasps> what? My jaw equals floor. You're kidding me. I have Karen Kilgariff's dog in the lobby. And then, bam, it made sense. This dog had three legs. George. It was George. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, Karen, I sincerely apologize for leaving you the most confusing and disoriented voicemail. I was starstruck by sweet old George and your outgoing message, which is literally me going... Oh, you've reached Karen Kilgariff, leave a message, goodbye, like as fast as I possibly can. Just kind of funny. All righty, stay sexy. And when Colin Farrell motions to you to give him the broom, you give him the broom. Chelsea B. Do you remember that specifically? Oh, I remember it. And I remember Chelsea B's message because <laughs> it was during quarantine. Yeah. So this was like right when people started feeling like it might be okay to see their friends and right. actually like be around another person outside person yeah which was so weird so bridger weiniger of i said no guest please listen if you haven't already he calls and he's like i'm going to go insane if i stay in my house one mm -hmm. minute longer and i'm like let's go to the beach and so george 
had a problem slash talent mm-hmm. when she had all four legs and then apparently when she had all three. That's what I was going to say is I didn't know she fucking was able to do that with three legs. Yes. So my <laughs> dog, George, when she had four legs, could climb fences. And yeah. I thought my fence was broken because she got out multiple times at my old house and my neighbors around me were like, you're the worst dog parent of all time. Right. And I literally was like hiring my next door neighbor, Rick, to come and fix my fence, even though we were like, okay, let's replace this fence. Now we're replacing this fence. And then one day Rick is standing in his driveway and he watches George pull (laughs) herself up over an eight foot fence, flip herself into his hedge, roll off and then walk up the street. And he goes, Karen, I wouldn't have believed it if I didn't see it with my own eyes. I was like, thank you. I'm not a bad dog parent. She's like, this is extraordinary. So This time, this was at a new house, and essentially they found Mm. there was this weird way out the front that because it was the first time Mm -hmm. I'd left the house in two years. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, fuck this. Where's mom? She was panicking, I think, and she went and climbed the front fence with three legs and then basically walked up the street. This is kind of the funniest thing, and this family was so nice. She walks up the street and then just goes into these people's yards and laid, lays down because she only has three legs. So she's yeah. like, I shouldn't have I made this choice. Yeah. yeah. So I'm out of the house for the first time in <laughs> over two years and we're driving home from the beach. So we're like on the yeah. 405. Yeah. And then I see, oh, no, I've gotten four messages that can't be good. And the first one was from Chelsea B going, hi, Karen, I work at the blah, 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 animal hospital. We um, <sighs> we found your dog. And then I'm like. Of Thank course. God, she's okay. Yeah. That's terrifying. It was pretty terrifying. And then when we pulled up and she was just laying in their front yard like it was her house, <laughs> just chilling. And they had like a little son. I think he was like four, three or four years old, yeah. just kind of hanging out with her. And it was just like Aww. as if I had dropped her off at the dog sitter and now it was picking her up, except for these people <laughs> she didn't. She had a play date. <laughs> It was so embarrassing. That's adorable. So embarrassing. The only way that would have been better is if the guy had been single and it had been a meet cute. <gasps> Could you imagine? That someone has had to meet that way before, right? Probably. Yeah. Somebody with a true lunatic. Like that dog was, <laughs> uh, she had a touch of crazy in her where she was just like, yeah, if you leave me alone yeah. for too long, I'm just going to start climbing yeah. shit and sure. I don't care. I got to find you. Yeah, I'm trying to save your life. What are you doing leaving the yeah. house? Like You're out in this world by yourself. I, I don't trust be you out in the world. All right. This last one's called two for one funeral director edition. My dad has passed. So I feel like I can safely share these stories now. My dad worked as a funeral director. And one time the mob approached him asking to bury two bodies at once via a hidden compartment under a casket. Oh, Wow. <laughs> Wow. He said no. Not so much because it was wrong, but because, quote, once you do one thing for the mob, you're on the hook for life. Yeah. My dad very much enjoyed not being beholden to anyone. I mean, either way, you're fucked. You say no to the mob and then they know that you know a secret. Also, how do you say no to the mob and they don't make you the third body in the second (laughs) compartment? Exactly. No, thank you. Okay, guys. You're great. I think you're great. Yeah. I'm just not, that's not me. Love your work. Love what you do. Just. Just no. And also, was he providing the casket with the secret compartment or were they? That's a great question. Maybe they have them. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was also a time that he worked at a crematory. The building looked like a generic, unlabeled industrial garage from the outside. One night, the hearse inside was stolen for a joyride. The cops found it the next day, only a few blocks away, parked on the side of the road with a note inside from the thieves stating how very sorry they were to have stolen it. This was because there was a body in the back the whole time. Oh, yeah, they're sorry. Yeah. Very sorry. I still laugh imagining their reaction when they realized. <laughs> it was like teenagers or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. Stay sexy and say no to the mob, the... How? How do you say <laughs> no know, to the mob? No, thank you, I think is the... Maybe it's the funeral home. It was like an old family funeral home where they've yeah. been in the neighborhood for years. And it was like, yeah. guys, you know I can't get involved in this type of totally. thing. I mean, that makes you wonder how many fucking bodies are buried in a trap door in a fucking casket from the mob in new jersey many yeah jimmy I hoffa bet. he's in a bunk bed he's he's just down there under somebody's great grandma yeah Ooh. someone's nana died and he really they <sighs> what was a that batch it? that was a batch for sure that was quite a batch that was can you do it too write us a letter at my favorite murder at gmail get in here it's yeah. fun and stay sexy and don't get murdered Elvis, do you want a cookie? This has been an Exactly Right production. Our senior producer is Alejandra Keck. Our editor is Aristotle Acevedo. This episode was mixed by Liana Squalachi. Email your hometowns to myfavoritemurder at gmail.com. And follow the show on Instagram and Facebook at myfavoritemurder and on Twitter at myfavemurder. Goodbye. Follow My Favorite Murder on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show. Visit exactlyrightstore.com to purchase My Favorite Murder merch.